0: It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Monday, April 25th. This is your KVMR evening news. Tonight on the California Report, courts around the country are paying attention as San Francisco attempts to hold pharmacies and drug manufacturers liable for opioid addiction and overdoses in a federal trial beginning today. Then, the University of California Hastings College of Law gets a new name. National Native News fills us in on the brutal history of the school's current eponym. And after updates on local news and weather, Al Stoller speaks to author Anya Stanger about her new book, Incarcerated Resistance. Stanger is set to present her research in Grass Valley at Sierra College next Tuesday, May 3rd.
1: This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. A federal trial over San Francisco's bid to hold drug manufacturers, suppliers, and pharmacies liable for opioid addiction and overdoses is set to start this morning. KQED's Alex Emsley reports. The trial is one of several around the country to test the public nuisance theory and whether companies in the opioid supply chain are liable for ballooning overdose deaths and other impacts of addiction. San Francisco alleges that Walgreens and several drug companies deceptively marketed opioids and ignored suspicious orders that piped pills into the black market. Chief City Attorney Sarah Eisenberg.
2: This case is both a
0: national case and also a San Francisco case. And so there will be evidence that ties the defendant's conduct to specifically the situation that we find ourselves in San Francisco.
1: The companies argue they didn't create the opioid epidemic and shouldn't be held responsible for it. For the California Report, I'm Alex Emsley. The California Republican Party has wrapped up its annual state convention, which was held over the weekend in Anaheim. House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy at Bakersfield was the featured speaker. He used the opportunity to repeatedly praise former President Donald Trump and to criticize Democrats and the media. McCarthy's appearance at the convention came after the release of audio confirming that he had told congressional colleagues in early 2021 that he would urge Trump to resign in the wake of the Capitol. Hill insurrection. Previously, McCarthy had maintained he did no such thing. Also at the convention, State Senator Brian Daly, who represents 11 counties in the northeast corner of the state, got the Republican Party's endorsement for governor. Let's turn to COVID. During the first year of the pandemic, deaths of homeless people in Los Angeles County rose more than 50% from the previous year. According to a report from the County Department of Public Health, nearly 2,000 deaths were reported from April 1, 2020 to March 31st, 2021. The report found that drug overdoses remained the leading cause of death among the homeless. In the pre-pandemic year, the Department of Public Health reported just over 400 overdose deaths among the homeless. And the year after the outbreak, that figure nearly doubled to 715 In a related issue, Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti's proposed budget for the upcoming fiscal year calls for almost $1.2 billion in spending on fighting homelessness. But is there enough transparency in how that money is spent? From Los Angeles, KPCC's Unhoused Communities reporter Ethan Ward has more. LA City Controller Ron Galperin says there needs to be more transparency on tracking the money spent on homelessness to avoid waste or misuse.
3: We have uh, been encouraging the departments and the city as a whole to do a much better job of tracking what spending is actually related to homelessness so that we can uh, create a dashboard that actually shows it.
1: Galperin says centralized dashboards would allow Angelenos to monitor how their tax dollars are used by nonprofits or spent on affordable housing.
3: The reality is is that we have to recognize the fact that the way that the money is being spent is not always working.
1: There are some dashboards available, but they're scattered, making it harder to track the money. For the California Report, I'm Ethan Ward in Los Angeles.
4: Support for the California Report comes from the California Healthcare Foundation, working to build a more effective, compassionate, and just healthcare system. On the web at chcf.org health equity. The James Irvine Foundation, accepting nominations now for the 2023 James Irvine Foundation Leadership Awards at irvineawards.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement.
1: The state's Employment Development Department, or EDD, has started rolling out a promised expansion of language resources. That's to better serve the at least 7 million Californians who use a first language other than English. KQED's Mary Franklin Harvin has the details.
5: Late last week, EDD announced the release of additional language resources. You can find them through a globe icon, pictured on the blue banner at the top of EDD's homepage. From there, you can access forms translated in Armenian, Korean, Punjab, Russian, traditional and simplified Chinese, Spanish, Tagalog, and Vietnamese. Joanne Lee is special counsel with the Legal Aid Foundation of Los Angeles. She says this is a vast improvement from before.
3: And a step in the right direction, and it seems like this is. The first part of their release, so they will have subsequent content and languages added, which I think is great and part of the plan um, that stems from the legislation and also our settlement
5: agreement. The settlement she's talking about came out of nearly two years of legal mediation by her group and other advocates who demanded better language access from EDD. Another big area of focus in these efforts is beefing up translation support on EDD phone lines. Currently, the agency has dedicated phone lines for English, Spanish, Cantonese, Mandarin, and Vietnamese speakers. But to access translation support in languages besides these, EDD directs callers to the same line used for English and Spanish speakers. Daniela Urban is executive director of the Center for Workers' Rights in Sacramento. Except for Spanish, you have to get through several prompts in English before you're able to ask for an interpreter, which
3: makes it difficult for those who don't speak English to even get to the point of of the phone process where they can ask for interpretation.
5: I called this number.
3: For calling the Employment
6: Development Department. There's about three minutes
5: worth of prompts in English besides one brief Spanish prompt. And even if the person calling could make out a little bit of English or Spanish, none of the prompts actually mention the additional language support. Around three and a half minutes in, there's an option to press zero for a representative. I tried going into a few different menus, and as a user, I couldn't figure out how to access the translation support even without a language barrier, outside of working my way back to the operator. An EDD spokesperson told me that the agency is continuing to work to make this process more seamless for non-English or Spanish speakers. And per the Settlement with Advocate groups, EDD is committed to adding dedicated phone lines for unemployment claims in Armenian, Korean, and Tagalog. Joanne Lee and Daniela Urban are grateful for the initial improvements EDD is implementing, but say it's important to continue to monitor how the communities who need these services respond to the changes. For The California Report, I'm Mary Franklin Harvin.
1: And that's this edition of The California Report for Monday, April 25th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez, and wherever you are in California, thanks so much for listening.
0: Election workers have faced extreme levels of vitriol since the 2020 elections. More than one in four report being afraid of being assaulted on the job. Suzanne Potter with California News Service has more about legislative efforts to protect election officials.
2: Since 2020, a growing number of election workers have been threatened harassed, and even spat on. So tomorrow, the state Senate Judiciary Committee will hear a bill that would allow them to hide their address from public view. Senate Bill 1131 would allow election workers to join the Safe at Home program, which was created 20 years ago to make it harder for perpetrators of domestic violence to track down their victims. Kim Alexander is president and co-founder of the California Voter Foundation, a co-sponsor of the bill.
4: There are still a number of people who make false claims about the election being stolen, and the election officials and their
2: staff are on the receiving end of
4: the big lie. SB
2: 1131 also would change an old state law that required poll workers' names to be posted at polling sites. Next, it is expected to head to the Senate Appropriations Committee. Alexander says 15 percent of the county registrars of voters in the Golden State left their jobs after the last presidential contest.
4: Election officials are overworked, understaffed, underpaid, and now find themselves under attack.
2: The Brennan Center for Justice, the other co-sponsor of the bill, recently conducted a nationwide survey of nearly 600 election officials. Alexander notes that one in six reported having been threatened because of his or her job.
4: Over half reported they are concerned about the safety of their colleagues. More than one in four are concerned about being assaulted on the job and 20 percent plan to leave their jobs before the 2024
2: election. Support for this reporting was provided by the Carnegie Foundation of New York. For California News Service, I'm Suzanne Potter. Find our eight trust indicators to support transparency and accuracy at publicnewsservice.org.
0: Tonight in National Native News, the University of California Hastings College of Law is finally getting a new name. And a bill ensuring Native Americans are at the table when naming takes place will be heard in the California State Assembly Tuesday. The college was named for Saranus Hastings, a land speculator who built his fortune committing atrocities against Northern California tribes.
6: This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. An extensive review of more than 2,200 place names in the U.S. National Park System show many may reflect colonialism, oppression, or white supremacy. KLCC's Brian Bull has more. Nashae Bernd
1: is an associate professor of ethnic studies and Native American studies at Oregon State University. He says locally, sites across Crater Lake National Park were included for analysis. We did see that there was one called Devil's Backbone, and we weren't clear on the origin. So while we did the research on these, we don't always come to the conclusions, right? We're not always able to say for sure what the intent is. But a lot of times the word devil gets attached to indigenous peoples, communities, or cultures in this sort of Christian and non-Christian binary. Barnes says he'd like people to use this research to understand how place names came to be and to help develop alternatives that don't celebrate the removal or destruction of native communities. He says beyond parks, other sites, including buildings, can be reevaluated. The research, titled Words Are Monuments, is in the latest edition of the journal People and Nature. For National Native News, I'm Brian Bull
6: a bill to ensure Native Americans are included in the renaming of the University of California Hastings College of Law set for a committee hearing in the California State Assembly on Tuesday. The college is named for land speculator who built his fortune committing atrocities against Northern California tribes. Yuki people would like to see the college take a name in their language. During a hearing on the college in March, tribal representatives recounted the massacre of indigenous people by Saranus Hastings. They say the name change by Native people would be part of the healing process. The measure, introduced by Native American state lawmaker James Ramos, was amended to include a provision requiring consultation and collaboration with the school and tribal representatives. The California legislature named the school in state statute in 1878 because of the legislative action, a state statute is now required to rename the campus. In 2021, the college board approved changing the school's name and has been in discussion with tribes. For the first time in two years, the Miss Haskell pageant was held in person at Haskell Indian Nations University in Lawrence, Kansas. As Rhonda Lavalda reports, it was a time of celebration for the tribal college, and now the royalty will represent the school. Due
4: to the pandemic, the royalty pageant for Haskell Indian Nations University was not held and the student ambassadors continued their roles for two years. Finally able to start again, Haskell brave Alexander Manygoats Dene said he was glad to see all the support for the ladies competing for Miss Haskell.
5: It's pretty amazing and it's, it's beautiful because it's, especially during the pandemic, you know, I feel like that really changed a lot of people's mindset and people's... Um, you know, passion of going to Haskell, even coming here. But, um, so I'm glad that a lot of people showed up and showed their support for the, for the university and for how much they care about this pandemic
4: While there was no entries for Haskell Brave, there was five ladies in the running for the coveted title. Winning was Asia Benelli Dene, whose platform for the next year will be mental health for students.
5: My platform was based on the importance and awareness of mental health because mental health affects almost every aspect of our life. The way we interact with each other, the way we, you know, make decisions. Um, and so I wanted to bring more of awareness and more resources to students to help with that mental, help with the mental awareness. And I wanted to also help students to help with that transition from being young adult into fully fledged adult.
4: Ben Lee is also a member of the Haskell volleyball and track and field team. This is Ronda Lovaldo for National Native News. And I'm Antonia Gonzalez.
1: National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by Ramona Farms, offering wholesome and delicious foods from our heirloom crops as our contribution to a better diet for the benefit of all people. We are honored to share our centuries-old farming and culinary traditions online at RamonaFarms.com. Support by the Gathering of Nations Pow Wow, a live event taking place April 29th and 30th on the Pow Wow Grounds of Expo New Mexico, featuring song, dance, trader's market, horse parade, and more. Tickets available at GatheringofNations.com and at the gates. Native Voice 1, the Native American Radio Network.
0: Now let's take a look at today's regional news. Eubenet writes, Rough and Ready Fire Protection District is in dire financial straits, according to auditor reports and the District Board. Following several special meetings, a clearer picture is emerging of the financial situation and possible consequences. The District's budget for July 2021 through June 2022 shows income of roughly $774,000 and expenses of roughly $720,000. However, this does not account for accrued expenditures and late payments of past due invoices. The budget income side also anticipates nearly $300,000 in strike team payments. This income is not guaranteed. It depends on the occurrence of large fires in California and the availability of staff to be assigned to a strike team. An in-depth look at the Rough and Ready Fire Department auditor's report is available on Ubinet. Tuesday, April 26th, The Nevada City School District holds a special meeting of the Board of Trustees at 5 p.m. The meeting's agenda says the board will discuss the selection of a new superintendent, applicants for interview, and final interview questions. Dan Zeisler, the search lead for a new superintendent, is slated to speak. The Sierra Club's Sacramento chapter is asking city and county officials to move hundreds of homeless residents along the American River Parkway, reports the Sacramento Bee. The Sierra Club cites an increase in wildfires they say are often tied to homeless camps. In a report and letter sent to city and county leaders Thursday, the environmental group points to an analysis it put together using public records from fire departments covering the parkway. The report states, with 156 fires last year, the parkway saw three times as many fires as in 2019. Among the chief reasons for the increase, according to the group, a surge in homeless camps along the river. The fires present a, quote, major public safety risk, the group said, blaming city and county officials for failing to provide adequate shelter for homeless residents, quote, leaving the American River Parkway to become a de facto homeless shelter for an estimated 750 people, end quote. Tuition at the University of California's campuses will be free for California residents who are from federally recognized Native American tribes. In a letter to UC Chancellors, UC President Michael Drake says tuition and student fees will be fully covered for all California residents who are members of Native American, American Indian, and Alaska Native tribes starting in fall 2022. The program will be funded through state and university financial aid. About 280,000 students attend the University of California's 10 campuses. Less than 1% of students at the UCs identify as American Indian or Native American. This reported by the Sacramento Bee. Beginning Monday, May 2nd, the Nevada County Library is extending its open hours to return to its pre-pandemic schedule. The new hours will include Saturdays at the Truckee, Madeline Helling, Grass Valley, Bear River, and Doris Foley Library branches, as well as evening hours at multiple branches. Evening and Saturday hours vary by location. You can go online for a full list of Nevada County's library hours and locations. Now let's take a look at our regional weather. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, increasing clouds with a low around 47. Tuesday, cloudy through mid-morning, then gradually clearing with a high near 67. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, partly cloudy with a low around 33. Tuesday, sunny with a high near 56. In Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, increasing clouds with a low around 52. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy through mid-morning, then gradual clearing with a high near 79. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. No one wants to be arrested. No one wants to be thrown in jail but some people do their best to accomplish just that. Al Stoller spoke with Anya Stanger, author of Incarcerated Resistance. Stanger will present her writing and research in Grass Valley at Sierra College on May 3rd.
7: Anya, I've seen you working on this book for years. Tell me a little bit about it.
0: The book is
3: a study of the people in this country, in the United States, who go to prison for six months or more for Nonviolent Resistance, generally protesting human rights abuses, nuclear weapons, imperialism, militarism, and war. It's about their journey from decision to act through release from prison. Well, this book is the culmination of many years because it's the book that springs from my dissertation research. When I was thinking about what I wanted to study in general, what I wanted my PhD to be about, I had done my master's in gender, and I had done my undergraduate work at Berkeley in peace and conflict studies. And I wanted to bring these worlds together, which to me was how do I study not violence, right? Most conflict studies programs in the US are actually the study of conflict. I didn't want to study that. I didn't want sort of a political science degree. I wanted to study what works. If we are really interested in in overcoming conflict and violence then what is effectively being done in the world. The activists come from two movements, primarily. One is the Plowshares Movement, the other is the School of the America's Watch Movement. The School of the Americas is a military training school located at Fort Benning, Georgia, that is a military school for Latin American military personnel to come to the United States and be trained by U.S. military. This school sort of rose to infamy in the 1980s, because so many of the wars in Central America, the greatest sort of atrocities happening in those places, were linked to graduates of the School of the Americas. And so in the 90s, a Mary Knoll priest named Roy Bourgeois started this movement against this school to protect lives of people in Central and South America.
7: The Plowshares Project takes its name from the passage in Isaiah, they shall beat their swords into plowshares. The project made headlines when they broke into a General Electric nuclear warhead facility and beat on the nukes with hammers.
3: Plowshares is an anti-nuclear movement that started in 1980 with this action at the GE plant. There are still Plowshares actions they just get far less press than those early years.
7: Something that truly impressed me in reading the book was how much planning goes in to getting oneself arrested.
3: People don't go to jail for lengthy periods of time for nonviolent resistance accidentally. It's always on purpose. The planning is not only around the action, but how do you make the clearest statement that you possibly can?
7: You're giving a talk at Sierra College next week.
3: I am a book talk about this thing i've been working on for all these years sierra college in grass valley on tuesday may 3rd at 6 p.m it will be in building n12
7: n12 is the big uh, auditorium
3: parking is free at sierra college this semester they're not charging the parking
7: fee you're going to be speaking on the women's show tonight
3: tonight about eight o'clock i'll be on the women's show with susan schreiber talking a little bit and maybe reading just a tiny bit from my book
7: I've been speaking with friend and neighbor Anya Stanger about her very recently completed book, Incarcerated Resistance. For KVMR, I'm Al Stoller.
0: That's our newscast for this Monday, April 25th. Visit us online at kvmr.org for anything you may have missed in tonight's newscast. AVMR gets support from Atmosphere Design Build, a full-service architecture and construction firm creating distinctly modern, high-performance buildings throughout Northern California, specializing in net-zero energy homes for a low-carbon future. AtmosphereDesignBuild.com. And Nevada County Farm and Garden, helping gardeners and farmers optimize soil condition with garden products, consulting, and services including soil testing from pre-plant amending, mid-season top dressing, providing nutrient recommendations based upon soil quality. Online, nevadacountygrow.com. Keep it tuned to your community radio station. At 6.30, it's the Women's International News Gathering Service, WINGS. On tonight's episode, a look at the magazine and organization, Butch is Not a Dirty Word. Guests talk about their experiences in queer and straight settings, including overriding the butch-femme binary as a butch-butch couple, the pressures attendant on butch motherhood, views of butchness in communities of color in the U.S. and Australia, and the power to be at ease in one's own preferred self-presentation and identity. Then at 7, we have Democracy Now! with host Amy Goodman. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. Thanks for listening to the news this evening. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off.